Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, and I am still America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, Miller Frost. Here, as always, with White Boy Malcolm X. And yes, it is it is a special Wednesday edition. I've never done a, a midweek show since we resumed the podcast a couple months ago, but I thought, what the hell? Let's let's try it. There's some interesting news out there, and I I just I just couldn't wait uh, to get started uh, on all of this. And uh, and White Boy Malcolm X is here. I never see you during during the week, sir. Uh, so how are you doing today? I'm about the same. Um, you know, kind of trudging through this week. It's one, of, you know, especially after holiday week. What did I say on Sunday that it's always hard. You know, coming back from a, a holiday week, especially when you have uh, like a four day weekend, you have to like trudge through a you know five day week, which I'm not really doing. I'm cheating. I'm taking Friday off. But I'm still I'm, I'm still just kind of muddling through, as they say. Oh, and before I forget White Boy Malcolm X, I did hear from the Summit Mistress. Folks, a couple weeks ago, we, we, we've been kind of reporting on Pornhub as, as the election was going through. Pornhub was releasing all this interesting data about when people were accessing pornography, you know, uh, and, and then what types of different pornography people were accessing depending on where they were. And so one of the things that came up was that in Louisiana, there were a lot of searches for Popeye porn. And I had no idea what that was. And since I didn't want that in my Google search history, I asked our dear friend, the Summit Mistress, who is from Louisiana, and she had no idea what popcorn porn was. And she wasn't going to Google it either. So we're, we're, folks, we're out of luck. But if you happen to know what popcorn porn is and you'd like to tell us, you can Reach me at uh, my, my Twitter feed is uh, at MillerFrost Online, or you can email me Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com and let us know what popcorn porn is. And of course, I will report back to uh, the other listeners. I would greatly appreciate it. So we're going to go ahead and get started. I have no idea how long this podcast is going to be as, as we get started. I have a, a smaller pile of news. Um, I didn't want to go like a full hour, but we may, we may go there depending on, on what I have to say, depending on the, uh, the article. And we will start off, yes, of course, even if it is a special Wednesday edition of White Boy Malcolm X, we will start off with the gay stuff first, because you made a special trip over here. But I have beer in the fridge, so you'll be, you'll be happy at least. I know why you came over here, not for the podcast. This is from Queerty, and this is our first article of our special Wednesday edition, and it's a doozy. Here's the headline. Anti-LGBTQ lawmaker quits after police catch him fleeing gay orgy. A lawmaker in Europe has quit his role after police caught him fleeing a gay sex party in Brussels, Belgium. And I can only imagine what that's like. And I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Joseph Sager, I am assuming, or Sajar, however you pronounce it. And if you're listening, sir, I do apologize for mispronouncing your name, you, you gay sex fiend, you. 59 is a member of the European Parliament for Hungary's ruling right-wing Vedettes Party. On the weekend, local media reported police broke up what they described as a gangbang or legs-in-the-air party above a bar in the city on Friday evening. Man, they do know how to have fun in Brussels. Legs-in-the-air party, white boy. <laughs> you know that's a gay party. Police apprehended one man allegedly fleeing through a window and trying to escape along guttering. It now turns out that man was Sager. I don't know how S-Z-A-J-E-R. I'm just going to call him Sager. Sorry, sir. Because of local COVID restrictions, 
gatherings of more than four people are prohibited. Around, unless, folks, unless you are a member of the ruling class, and then you can do whatever the hell you want, but for you lay people, you got to keep it to four people. Around 20 men, 20 queens, were caught at the party, and police also seized ecstasy pills. So that was definitely a gay sex party. <laughs> Not that I've ever been to one. No, no, seriously, I have never been to one white boy Malcolm X. I just, I have heard stories, and they generally involve ecstasy pills. Local press report at least two other diplomats were present. Police fined each of the men 250 euros for attending the event. On Sunday, Sager surprised many by announcing his resignation from the European Parliament. He said at the time it was due to increasing mental strain and needing a period of reflection. Yes, you do, sir. Yesterday, when news broke that he had been at Friday's party, Sager issued a statement and apologized for a personal failing in attending what he described as a house party and ignoring COVID restrictions. He also denied taking drugs or knowing anything about the drugs found by police in his backpack. So he sounds just like my ex. I did not use drugs. I offered the police to make an instant test, but they did not do it. According to the police, they found an ecstasy pill, but it is not mine. I have no knowledge of who or how it was placed. That is definitely sounding a lot like my ex. I deeply regret for violating the COVID restrictions. It was irresponsible on my part. I am ready to stand for the fine that occurs. Well, okay, I can forgive him because he did apologize to COVID Karen. And as long as you apologize for breaking the rules, you're just fine. A gay sex party wiped by Malcolm X. <laughs> oh, mercy. A legs in the air party. I guess it was a, it was a gay sex party full of bottoms. Do we want white boy Malcolm X? Do you? Yes, her, him. Do we really want to talk about Elliot Page? I guess I'll do a little bit. It's all over the news. You know, it's funny. I tell you what, transgenders are approximately one half of 1% of the population. And my God, they are, they are all over the news. You can't skip a day without some sort of transgender news are out there in front of you. I, I Can you imagine White Boy Malcolm X being like a, a, a B-grade race hustler and you're out there like a, like an Al Sharpton back in his, his early days, out there being a good poverty pimp, you know, hustling that race, racism, 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 and everything that you do is usurped by transgender news. You just can't get your name out there because they're, they're everywhere. For one half of 1% of the population, boy, do they have a big voice. Ellen Page, and this is from page six, which is the New York Post gossip page. Ellen Page is transgender and will now go by the name Elliot Page. He announced on social media Tuesday. I feel lucky to be writing this, to be here, to have arrived at my place in life, he wrote. I feel overwhelming gratitude for the incredible people who have supported me along this journey. I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. I have no idea. I think that means he was kind of self-loathing. If he's like, to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self, I guess he didn't love himself enough before. But now he does, and he loves himself. He hit the love threshold, and now he is he. Page, 33, said he will use the he-they pronouns. So at least he doesn't use the funky pronouns. He's using the right ones. The Umbrella Academy star thanked the trans community for courage, your generosity, and ceaselessly working to make this world a more inclusive and compassionate place. 
which makes me kind of want to laugh because the last thing some of these folks want to do is make the world a more inclusive and compassionate place. I mean, they will call you a transphobe at the, the drop of a hat if you don't if you don't genuflect correctly. Look at, uh, we reported on this Sunday. I was about to say last week, but it was actually a Sunday. Poor John Cleese, the actor, he didn't even say anything nasty. He was just like, you know, I'd rather just not really comment on that. I have other things to focus on. You know, like, I don't know what he was saying, like, you know, the U.S. election and a couple of other global issues. And and they went nuts on him. The Twitter rage monkeys were go- all going, o- going after him about it. So I don't know about them wanting to make it more inclusive and compassionate. I would argue Elliot, I almost said Ellen, Elliot, that that is not quite what they want. What's that? Oh, yes. I I, I meant to talk about... Have you noticed, folks, lately what they do now um, with, the, with the word violence? Everything is violence. Like if you, if you mention... What do they call it? The dead name or something like that? If you met, like, for example, if you called Elliot Page Ellen Page, which I guess they call the dead name, it's, they, they say if using the dead name is, is violence or using the wrong pronouns is violence. And I'm thinking violence to me, is like, I always joke about wanting to punch a TikTok dancer in the face. That, to me, is violence. Like, going up to one of these stupid kids doing their stupid floss dance or one of these TikTok dances and just punching them right in the face. That, to me, is violence. Calling Elliot Page Ellen. And you know, the first time someone makes it a point just to kind of, you know, tweak them a little bit and call Elliot Ellen and maybe do it a little bit on purpose. Not here, of course. Not here on the Mill of Raw show, but maybe someone else. Those, those queens are just going to have a, a raging fit. They're going to be like, you're using his dead name of Ellen is violence against him. But let's continue. I love that I am trans and I love that I am queer, he concluded in his letter. And the more I hold myself close and fully embrace who I am, the more I dream, the more my heart grows and the more I thrive. Okay then. Paige, who is married to Emma Portner, came out as gay in February 2014. Portner later said she was so proud of Paige. Can you imagine, white boy Malcolm X, can you imagine being Emma Portner right about now? (laughs) Emma, I'm assuming, is a lesbian because Emma married Ellen Page in, um, I don't know, last couple years she got married to another woman thinking, wow, I got my U-Haul and I met another woman and we're, we're together And all of a sudden, your lesbian partner says, I'm actually a man. So I don't know what's going to happen with that marriage because I don't think Emma went into it wanting to marry a man. She wanted to marry another woman. So what what is going to happen with those two? That is going to be one hot mess. We'll have to kind of keep an eye on it. Not that I really care about, about Elliot, but, you know, I just hope it doesn't screw up the Umbrella Academy. I really, I really like that show. I can't imagine what's going to happen when, uh, when the sister becomes the brother. Well, that'll be interesting to find out that too. And this is from the New York Post. Ex-prostitute Elisa Crespo vies to become the first trans member of the New York City Council, which I think will improve things. No, seriously. I'm being serious, White Boy Malcolm X. You can't get, I mean, have you seen the New York City Council? My God. That is a hot mess of the biggest losers in in New York City. Biggest leftist losers in New York City. I don't know how many, like a couple dozen of them there. Man, 
That is a mess. So I figure a ex-prostitute transgender would, I think, help to classy the place up a little bit. An ex-prostitute who was busted in a police sting is running to become the first trans woman on the city council, representing the heart of the Bronx. And I think it's where that that idiot AOC is from, the um, the one with the uh, the IQ of a cocktail owl, as I like to say. Elisa Crespo, 30, is one of the candidates seeking to succeed outgoing councilman Richie Torres in the 15th Council District. Torres, the first openly gay person to get elected in the borough, is, I was about to say, he's not the only queen on the New York City Council, is vacating the seat in January after getting elected to Congress. And now we got another queen going to Congress. A special election to replace him is expected to take place in March. They have to stuff the ballots in the meantime. Crespo's candidacy is a remarkable comeback story. Are you ready for the story? You are. Okay, here we go. Crespo was arrested in... <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Jacksonville, Florida. Yes, another... This is a Floridian story and, and, a, and a gay story all wrapped into one. On November 14th, 2012, after posting a sex escort ad on the internet. As it turned out, the two men showed up to her hotel room for oral sex were undercover cops in the Jacksonville Police Vice Squad who arrested her for prostitution. I am surprised Jacksonville has a vice squad. I figured that sort of stuff is just fair game in, in Florida, but I guess not. But not Well, at least not back in 2012. Far from running from her past, Crespo is addressing her work as a survival sex worker head on. And folks, I have no idea what a survival sex worker is. I am no longer engaged in sex work, she told the Post. Crespo, who transitioned to female at the age of 15, said getting arrested and spending time in jail was a low point that triggered a turnaround in her life. I was in a complicated struggle to make ends meet. A lack of job opportunities for trans women of color led me to sex work. And I'll translate that. Folks, that's your fault, especially you of the hetero-supremacy, it is your fault that there are a lack of job opportunities for trans women of color, which made her become a hoe. Through this experience, I wound up in Florida. <laughs> oh my goodness. White Boy Malcolm X, if you are a trans woman of color and you can't find a job, guess where you're going? You're, it's like going to hell. It's like, <laughs> you're going to Florida, where I was arrested and incarcerated with <gasps> cisgender men. The root of all evil. That moment transformed my life forever. It helped me begin my journey in civic engagement, Crespo said during a recent political rally. Crespo, a dues-paying member of the Democratic Socialist of America's Bronx chapter, told the Post she supports state legislation to decriminalize prostitution by no longer punishing paid sex between two consenting adults. Sex work is work, she said. I bet it is. Crespo said she turned tricks to support her mother, who was in an abusive relationship, as well as herself. It's an unfortunate fact that trans women and sex work go hand in hand, Crespo said during an interview with EmpowerTransWomen.com. And I am not going to go to that website. So, to sum this article up, folks, if you are a trans woman of color and you can't find a job, you're going to Florida, and you're probably going to be a hooker because trans women... And sex work go hand in hand. Who knew? Well, if she's a, if and, and if she gets to be a politician, I mean, they're all whores anyway. So. She'll be used to be like, honey, I know how to take money and get paid off. And I know how to give a good hand job too. Mercy. Mercy, mercy me. Well, good luck there, honey. You know, but you know what, white boy Malcolm X? 
Elisa Crespo. She is no Ario DeMezzo. And folks, if you don't know who Ario DeMezzo is, well, you just got to listen to my podcast. This is from CNBC. And we're moving past the gay stuff already. I told you, it's a short episode of White Boy Malcolm X. There's only be a couple stories of each. Good riddance, text flight from San Francisco is a relief to some advocates. And if it's one thing I learned, I actually used to live in San Francisco. I lived in Marin County on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. And if it's one thing I learned about Northern California versus I lived there for a couple of years and then I was down in like San Diego and then L- in L.A. If it's the one thing I learned about people in Northern California, especially in the Bay Area, they're number one, they're just extremely uptight. And number two, everyone is, you know, your, your job and a blank activist. So you're like, well, I'm an accountant, but I'm a homeless activist or I'm a I'm a waiter and I'm a, you know, an HIV activist. Everyone is a is an advocate or an activist on on something. Everyone you got to have a social justice issue in the San Francisco Bay Area if you live there. But let's dig into this a little bit. When Shirag Bakta saw a headline recently that said tech workers were fleeing San Francisco, he had a quick reaction. Good riddance. And you know why he said that, folks? Well, I, I'm guessing. The reason I'm guessing is what we've been reporting on the last couple of weeks here on the Miller Frost Show, and that is that San Francisco is the home of white supremacy. It is the base of white supremacy. And how do we know this? Because the city of San Francisco had to pass a Karen law because of all the white people, all those white elitists in San Francisco, calling the police, calling 911 on their minority neighbors. And it got so out of hand... <laughs> that they had to crack down on it and pass a law where if you're a person of color and your white neighbor calls the cops on you doing something perfectly legal, you can turn around and sue them. So that is why we call San Francisco the home of white supremacy and systemic racism is because of that. And I'm sure Chirac there was like, oh, thank God all these stupid rich white people are getting the hell out of town. Bakta, a San Francisco native and tenant organizer for affordable housing nonprofit Mission Housing, is well-versed in the seismic impact that the growth of the tech industry has had on the city. As software companies expanded over the past decade, they drew thousands of well-off newcomers who bid up rents and remade the city's economy and culture. He said the sudden departure of many tech workers and executives, often to less expensive rural areas where they can telecommute during the coronavirus pandemic, reveals that their relationship with San Francisco was transactional all along. They use their capital to radically shift the makeup of poor working class communities, Bakta said. We're left with for sale signs and price points that are still out of reach for most people. Software engineers, CEOs, and venture capitalists have chosen to jump from the Bay Area to places such as Denver, Miami, and Austin, Texas, citing housing costs, California's relatively high income tax, and the Bay Area's general resistance to rapid growth and change. So, folks, if you are in Denver, Miami, or Austin, Texas, Beware, you've got a bunch of white supremacists on their way. Okay, this is my uh, my serious story, White Boy Malcolm X. i got to do one, at least. And this is from the Washington Examiner. Opioid-related overdose deaths in Maine soared during the first half of the year, according to state officials, who said the opioid crisis had worsened amid the coronavirus pandemic. There were 258 confirmed and suspected opioid-related overdose deaths through the end of June, a 27% increase over the first half of 2019, according to a report compiled for the state by the University of Maine's Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center. 
Attorney General Aaron Frey, whose office released the new data, said it shows the opioid epidemic has been made worse by the COVID-19 pandemic. The report shows that fatal overdoses in Maine are still primarily driven by illicit drugs, including fentanyl, cocaine, and methamphetamine, which, folks, you can at least get now in, um, in Oregon. You can carry coke and meth uh, all you want. Uh, you carry a little bit of it anyway. They, they won't arrest you for it anymore. They'll make you go to treatment, but, you know, uh, that's like a revolving door, especially if you're on crystal meth. Most of the deaths, 82%, were caused by a combination of two or more drugs with at least one opioid involved. Did you hear White Boy Malcolm X? Because we've talked about this, and there was the gay porn star I agreed with who was talking about the collateral damage that no one wants to discuss. And I, I, did, I did a Twitter thing, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago where I made a point about the collateral damage. And, of course, all the, the COVID Karens got all upset about, you know, they're the ones that um, they get to work from home. They can have their groceries delivered. There is no skip in their income whatsoever, the COVID Karen crowd, you know, the, the mask Gestapo out there who you just want to like lock everything down, to, you know, ad infinitum. They don't care because it doesn't really affect them other than the fact they can't go out and have, you know, cocktails with their girlfriends on the weekends. But they don't have to worry about paying rent or their mortgage. They don't have to worry about putting food on the table. They're all taken care of. But did you hear White Boy Malcolm X that in Japan— there are more suicides than COVID deaths. I think it was over the last month or so um, that the, uh, the, uh, the the prescription is is worse than the disease itself. Um, so that that's my, that's my point is that, uh, you know, going back over the last couple of uh, shows about the collateral damage that nobody wants to acknowledge that all these, these lockdowns are having and, and the fact that people can't go out and they are struggling and, and they don't have the... Uh, ability to make ends meet a lot of times and, and drugs are a very easy way out. I mean, hey, don't get me wrong. I, I like to have a beer or two on the weekends, but you know, your life has to be a hot mess. If you're shooting, I don't know, heroin or Coke, you're snorting Coke. I, I don't, I guess you can, well, you got crack cocaine. So I guess you can smoke that or whatever you do with crack and then meth. I think you can smoke it and, and shoot it. But this, I mean, this thing is just, it's a shame. It's a shame that uh, we have not been able to find a, a a better balance between you know locking things down just enough, but allowing people the ability to earn a living and support their families and, and get out and not be stuck in a house and be driven stir crazy. But we got to make COVID Karen happy, lest she get on Facebook and and you know whine and bitch and complain. This is from the Mirror UK. Edinson Cavani facing F.A. probe after he's accused of using racist term on social media. And white boy Malcolm X, look at that slacker stud. I know. I know. Not too bad there. Edison Cavani is facing an F.A. investigation and potential ban after being accused of using a racist term on social media. The Football Association confirmed to Mirror Sport that they are aware of the post and are looking into it and will now ask Cavani to explain the remark made on Instagram. Cavani, 33, wrote gracias N-word. In an <laughs> yes, folks, he said gracias N-word. Right there, gracias blank. In an exchange with a fan after scoring twice, including a dramatic late winner in Manchester United's last gas victory at Southampton. The FA have a strict code on racism, and under the guidelines, Cavani could get a three-game ban. Well, that doesn't sound very strict to me, but I guess that's strict for the FA. 
It is understood that Cavani believed he was using the term in a friendly way. Hmm, who knew? It is a common phrase in South America and has been told now of the different interpretation in England. He has since deleted the post. Man, oh man, white boy Malcolm X, they are a pack of racists. If they're dropping the N-word left and right in South America, they are a bunch of racists down there. Man, can you imagine? Three-game suspension for Edinson Cavani for saying gracias N. Can you imagine if he had said tranny? Woof, he would have been kicked out of the sport. This is a Fox News story. This is just kind of a quick sidebar. Portland, my favorite place. (laughs) Portland, Oregon, which we know is the home of white supremacists, has worst stolen car rate per capita in the U.S. study fines. Life isn't all roses for car owners in Portland. The Oregon city topped a list of major metropolitan areas with the worst auto theft rates compiled by AutoInsuranceEasy.com. Portland had an average of 487 thefts per 100,000 residents during the period and was followed by San Jose, California at 483 and Seattle at 473. Salt Lake City and San Francisco rounded out the top five with 465 and 456 respectively. So white boy Malcolm X, if I'm reading that correctly, Salt Lake City is the fourth highest for car theft. So we got a bunch of Mormon... Mormon car thieves out there in Utah. Man, I never thought, I never saw, I never saw that happening, but I guess apparently that is reality according to autoinsurancez.com. And just, uh, do you know White Max? Here's the most stolen vehicles in 2019. A number one stolen car in 2019 was a 2000 Honda Civic. So you gotta be a dumb car thief if, if your first, your first pick is a 20 year old Honda. I mean, I guess they run forever, but geez. 1997 Honda Accord is second, so you're going even older. And a 2006 Ford pickup full-size is the third, which probably was stolen by a white supremacist, especially if it was stolen in Portland. We know that. I love number nine, 2019 Jeep Cherokee Grand Cherokee. You know, the damn thing probably broke down. (laughs) Probably broke down a block after they stole it, so then they had to turn around and steal a 2000 Honda Civic. Done with that. This is from KIRO Channel 7. Sovereign citizens claiming waterfront homes in Woodway, Edmonds. A group of people is walking up to families' front doors in Snohomish County. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If not, oh well. Saying that they are rightful owners of waterfront homes, aren't we all? The group has taken over homes in different parts of the country, claiming legal ownership of the land beneath it. In one case, they told a homeowner she was being evicted. Edmonds detectives said the group knocked on doors in the most upscale neighborhoods in Woodway and Edmonds, identifying themselves as Moorish sovereign citizens. They carry official-looking documents, say they own the property, and announce they're moving in. I wonder if they show up with a U-Haul. They have basically come to say that they're from this particular group and that they're to repossess the home and want the people to vacate the premises, says Edmond Police Sergeant Josh McClure. In every case, police were called, and the group cooperated when they were told they were trespassing and could be arrested. Their group believes they own all the land between Alaska and Argentina and all the islands in between. Unfortunately, Edmonds falls between that land, said McClure. In Maryland, because it ain't just happened in Washington, folks, a member of the group moved into a 35,000 square foot mansion with 12 bedrooms, which was for sale. CBS covered that story. Lamont Butler, a.k.a. Lamont Maurice, claimed the mansion for himself. 
He even provided documents provided by the so-called Moorish National Republic to back it up, the CBS report said. In North Carolina, though it gets even worse, a couple who identified with the Moorish sovereign movement moved into their multi-million dollar home for sale, holding a quick-claim deed and barricaded themselves inside. Their contentious arrest for trespassing rattled neighbors. So there you go, folks. The sovereign citizens, the Moorish sovereign citizens, probably own your house and they're going to be like knocking on your door and... and (laughs) Maybe it's Lamont Butler. You're coming be like, hey, get out of my house. I own this house and here's my Moorish paperwork. This is from the UK Sun. My kids are assholes. Looking after them is boring and reading bedtime stories makes me want to gouge out my eyes. A mom of three has admitted that her kids are assholes as she claims parents should be able to be honest about how much they dislike their children sometimes. Laura Mazza, 33, regularly shares the reality of parenting on her Instagram and penned an open letter to moms fearful of being judged for not loving their kids every single minute. Laura, from Melbourne, admitted sometimes she can't be bothered to cook dinner or read her kids a bedtime story. But in a raw post online, she pointed out this doesn't make women bad mothers, and parents should be honest about their feelings without being judged. Alongside a snap of her kids, she wrote, I just want you to know that if you are my friend, you can say my kids were assholes today without one look of judgment from me. <laughs> can you imagine being those poor kids, you're on your mother's Instagram and you're basically being called a little asshole. You should feel free to be able to say, I want to run away today without any pearl clutching. Laura regularly shares raw insights into her busy family life, adding, I know I complain a lot about parenting and that is because raising children is the hardest, most physically and emotionally impossible thing I've ever done. Every day is new uncharted water. I broke up fights today, got frustrated today, raised my voice today, Cried, consoled, crying, felt guilty, felt happy, felt loved, gave love, all in less than 24 hours. She shared some very relatable thoughts after looking after Luca 6, Sophia 4, and 2-year-old James. Why the hell did this woman (laughs) pop out three kids? I mean, she figured out after the first one, no, I don't like this. This ain't for me. I'm not going to be a good mom. But she's like, well, maybe, maybe a second one. And then, honey, let's do it a third time. Third time's the charm, I guess, for this woman. Well, you know, I guess at least she's being honest, right? I, I can't criticize her for being that. Now, putting the kids on Instagram and, and calling them a little, you know, being little assholes, I think that might be a bit much, but oh, well, wait till those kids get into therapy. This is from BBC News. Gruton statue, mystery over missing phallic landmark. I mean, look, that is a big landmark. I know, sir, I know. German police have launched an investigation into the disappearance of a peculiar phallic-shaped sculpture from a mountainside in Bavaria, local media say. Where is the phallic-shaped sculpture? You must tell us now! You see the Germans going after them. The two-meter-tall, 6.5-foot wooden statue was apparently chopped down over the weekend. Ouch! A local newspaper reported. The statue stood for years on the Gruten Mountain, southwest of Munich. Now all that remains of the monument is a small stump (laughs) and some wood chips. They chopped that thing down, white boy Malcolm X. It is not known who originally carved and erected the statue. Someone at the BBC, folks, is having a lot of fun with this, which has become a landmark on the 5,702-foot Gruton Mountain, attracting many to the area. I bet 90% of them are queens and the other 10% are women with husbands with micropenises. 
you imagine? Let us go to the penis landmark on the top of the mountain. Even online map service Google Maps, speaking of Queens, had recognized the sculpture status designated as a cultural monument, which if I memory serves me correctly, Google is in the San Francisco Bay Area. And of course, that would be a cultural monument to the folks in San Francisco. No one knows how the 440-pound sculpture was hauled up the mountain either. One theory reported by German media is that the sculpture was an unwanted birthday gift carved by a group of young men as a practical joke for a friend. Speaking of queens, German queens, what do we get him for a birthday present? Let us sculpture a large penis from wood. (laughs) When the present was rejected, well, that queen is not appreciative of a big phallic object, is she? They pulled it up the mountain on a sledge, leaving it for others to appreciate, and they have apparently. The monument, which was placed on the mountain four or five years ago, had been mostly left untouched. (laughs) but came to the attention of police after reports of his disappearance over the weekend. All these queens were going up there like, let's go look at the big phallic-shaped penis. And they went up there like, oh, heavens, it's missing, it's missing. What are we going to do? No, folks, I cannot do a gay German voice. I got one or the other. You can have the German voice or you can have the gay voice, but I cannot do them both at once. The mayor of nearby Reitenburg, Nicholas Weisinger, said the disappearance of the sculpture was a shame. I bet. All those crying queens are all upset about their phallic sculpture. And let's not forget the women with the husbands with the micropenises. This is from the U.S. Suns. We have the U.K. Sun and the asshole kids. And this is from the U.S. Sun, which is, I guess, a different version of the U.S. Sun. But hey, it's still just as fun. Bizarre moment, bodybuilder marries sex doll in creepy ceremony saying she's a tender soul inside. And this reminds me, folks, of a movie which has got to be, I don't know, uh, 10, 12 years old. It's called Lars and the Real Girl, and it's got Ryan Gosling in it. And no, White Boy Malcolm X, that's not why I watched it, but I got it as a as a screener, and it was uh, it was an interesting film. It's about a guy who... Like he lives in like the garage of his brother, older brother, and his wife, and tells him he's got a girlfriend. They're like, oh, invite her over to dinner, and he shows up with a sex doll. Uh, and I, when I first started watching, I was like, oh my god, what is this disaster? But I held it. Actually, folks, if you watch like the first fifteen minutes, you're probably going to want to shut it off because you think it's just going to be some sick, sick movie. But hang in there. It actually is a very interesting story at the end of the day. But what happened is that the the sister in law is like a therapist, and she talks the whole town into pretending that that the the girl the fake girlfriend the sex doll is a real person to kind of help break him the link from it but it winds up being a really good story so i'm recommending lars and the real girl but this is not lars and the real girl this is look at this guy white boy back jesus christmas look at him and the sex doll too i mean look at the two of that they're quite the couple let's dig in a bodybuilder from kazakhstan of course has married a sex doll in a jaw-dropping ceremony celebrating their 18-month relationship. So they've been they've been going out, folks. You know, you might think it's a little weird, but they have been dating at least a year. Yuri Tolochko married his sex doll fiancée, Margot, in a traditional ceremony, complete with a celebrant, dozens of happy guests, and a romantic first dance. Bedecked in a smart black dinner suit and bow tie, the groom is all smiles in his wedding video, posted on Instagram today as he dances with his stunning bride in her lacy white gown. Taking his perfectly made-up new wife in his arms, Mr. Tolochko and Margot look every bit the happy couple, only Margot is actually a synthetic sex doll. 
sharing footage of the unusual celebration on Instagram. Instagram is like a freaking dumpster fire. <laughs> Everyone is on Instagram. I am not on Instagram, folks, but apparently if you're on Instagram, you're, you're either married to a sex doll or you're calling your kids assholes. The bearded actor wrote, it's happened to be continued. In the social media video shared on Instagram to more than 140,000 followers. And folks, if you if you are following Yuri's Instagram, you are one sick fella, let me tell you, across their two accounts. So she's got one. The sex doll Margo also has an Instagram account as well. Mr. Tolachko slipped a ring onto Margo's finger before the pair shared a tender kiss in front of the crowd of delighted wedding guests. The marriage might be unconventional, but it has been on the card since December 2019, when Mr. Tolachko popped the big question to his beloved sex doll girlfriend. The couple were already... Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not reading any more of that White Boy Malcolm X. I, this has got to be a parody. I cannot believe this is true. This is just... This whole thing is just a mess. I mean, bless his heart. Bless his... <laughs> bless her heart, God. Man, I don't know about that one. Oh, God. Now I'm going to... Now I'm going to get aggravated again. This is a New York Post story, and here's the headline. This came out today. This is, what, this is a fresh story. Fresh story, folks. Prince Harry, COVID-19 is what we get for messing with Mother Nature. He's the dumb one. <laughs> Every family has one, and there are only two. He's the dumb one by far. He's the one also that's married to what's-her-name, that the dumb chick that wants to run for, for president. <laughs> I, I cannot think of her name, and I really don't care. Meghan Markle. Thank you, White Boy Malcolm X. Yeah, that's that's exactly who that is. Those two deserve each other. Prince Harry's lofty wish is for every person to be the raindrop that falls from the sky and relieves the parched ground. Is that so much to ask? At the end, of the, I'm going to bang my head into a wall. I swear. <laughs> if I have to read this whole article, I'm just going to bang my head into a wall. At the end of the day, nature is our life source, the red-headed royal rebel set. And a redhead, folks, is a ginger. In a recent interview for Water Bear, a streaming platform dedicated to environmental documentaries, the Duke, that's folks, is porn for Al Gore. The Duke of Sussex also described the COVID-19 pandemic as ecological retribution, urging viewers to consider it a wake-up call. Harry, it's actually China. It's China, not an ecological retribution. Somebody said to me at the beginning of the pandemic, it's almost as though Mother Nature has sent us to our rooms for bad behavior to really take a moment and think about what we've done, he told the network CEO, Ellen Windemuth, and head of strategy, Sam Sataria. Harry, 36, went on to reprimand humanity for taking Earth's natural resources for granted. The pandemic certainly reminded me about how interconnected we all are, not just as people, but through nature, he said. We take so much from her, and we rarely give a lot back. What a drama queen. <laughs> He is insufferable. I mean, he is such a pain in the ass. He, you know, he should do White Boy Malcolm X. He should go like be like a host on CNN, like uh, Don Lemon or, or what's his name, Fredo Kumo. God, he is as he is as vapid as uh, what's her name, the the dumb one from Norway or Sweden, uh, Greta Thunberg. That one, and she's just a dopey teenager, and he's like what uh, thirty six. He ain't getting any smarter. He's just like his father, dopey. We're almost done. We've got a couple more stories. And <laughs> oh, mercy. It wouldn't be the Miller Frost Show without one of these stories. This is from the Daily Mail. Here's the headline. 
Mother, 32, lured boy, 14, back to her house to have sex after watching him and a friend play football in the park court. Here's, I actually put this on Twitter. I was like, well, for the first time, it's not a teacher, just some random woman. But let's dig in. A mother lured two teenage boys half her age to her home and had sex with one of them despite the victim telling her he was still in school at court hurt. Tia Vincent, 32, enticed the two 14-year-olds back to her home and will last in Gloucestershire by offering them a glass of water after she saw them playing football. You see her, white boy Malcolm X. Hi, boys. Are you thirsty? Would you like to come back for some water at my house? She took one of the boys up to her bedroom and then initiated sex with him. A jury at Gloucester Crown Court was told yesterday. Mother of three, Vincent. I wonder if her kids are assholes. Who has three children of primary school age, admits having sex with the boy on October 21st, 2018, but maintains she believed he was over 16 at the time. And that, I, apparently folks, that is the age of consent in England. And I probably shouldn't have said that out loud because <laughs> half the school teachers in America are going to quit their jobs and, and apply for like work visas uh, in, in England now. So get ready, folks. If you're, we do, we do have a, a, a pretty good, uh, you know, audience that downloads the podcast out of England. So, folks, if you're listening over there, I'm just warning you. Some American, you know, millennial woman in her you know, 30s shows up and applies to be a school teacher at your school. Do not let her. Do not give her that job. Because <laughs> she's going to bang every single one of those boys. It'll be perfectly legal. Goodness. Prosecutor Christopher Smith told the jury that Vincent offered the boys a glass of water back at her home around 5 p.m. after they spent the afternoon playing football. He said the boys took up Miss Vincent's and went back to her home. So these two kids were like, oh, okay, sure, sure, I'll go, go to your home and have some water. One of the boys knew Vincent, but the alleged victim didn't. Wait, so so white boy Malcolm X, let me see if I get this right. One of them knew her, so <laughs> she was a known quantity around town, I guess. I guess that boy was like, I oh, know we're going to go there. Maybe I'll take my friend and, and uh, have him surprise. <laughs> Man, Tia Vincent. Mm-mm. The three of them talked about school life for some time, the court heard, before the subject was changed to Vincent talking about her body and then sex. That must have been quite the conversation pivot. She then moved the conversation to talk about sex. The slightly older boy felt that Miss Vincent was coming on to the younger one, but he felt the situation was lost on him. She then invited the younger boy upstairs. He went up thinking there would be a television or some other gaming device while his friend remained downstairs in the kitchen. God, that's a teenage boy for you. Some woman's like, hi, would you like to go upstairs to my bedroom? And the kid's like, uh, oh, video games. Oh, a TV. Let's, I'm going to go up there with the woman. Miss hmm. Vincent then took the boy into her bedroom and told him to sit down on the bed. She left the room and reappeared a few moments later, having removed her clothes. She pulled him back onto the bed so he was lying down. The court heard Vincent then mounted the teenager and initiated sex without talking to him about it first. The victim described Vincent <laughs> bouncing up and down on him for about... F okay, I'm not reading any more of this. That is just kind of creepy. Yes, even I will say that's creepy. That's just... Oh, mercy. Ladies, ladies, you just, you have to stop. I'm sorry. You got to wait till they're like a lot older. <laughs> what do I always say, white boy Malcolm X? You never get a boy 
to do a man's job. And when at my age 51, a boy is like early 20s, early mid 20s. I'm not talking like a 14 or 15 year old. But I mean, geez, ladies, I mean, you want to have some fun with a man. You get like a, I don't know, you get some stallion like 27, 28, early 30s. I mean, uh, you can get one of those like MMA fighters from White Boy Malcolm X's favorite show, Kingdom. Um, I they they are in their like thir- late twenties, early thirties. You get that. That's a good time, I bet. But you know, you get a fourteen year old boy. <laughs> Mercy. Hey, although she she got to bounce on him for five minutes, <laughs> the longest a fourteen year old has ever lasted. Man, this is from the Hill. Tiger King's attorney believes they're close to getting pardoned from Trump. And on this show, folks, the Tiger King is actually the Tiger Queen. Tiger Queen Joe Exotic's attorney said he believes they are close to getting a presidential pardon from President Trump. Eric Love, an attorney for Joe Exotic, whose real name is Joseph Maldonado Passage, told ABC News that he thinks the pardon is possible as the Trump presidency finishes its final weeks before President-elect Joe Biden takes office. We are waiting on the pen to hit paper. We think we are very, very close, Love told the network. A source confirmed to ABC News that the White House has heard from the Tiger Queen, who was requesting a pardon. You wouldn't believe the amount of calls, some insane we've gotten, the source says, describing the different appeals for pardons. The White House did not immediately provide a comment. And I don't know about you, White Boy Malcolm X, but I think, folks, I think it would be a merciful pardon to get the Tiger Queen out of jail. I mean, let's face it, we had that story about a month and a half, two months ago, where the Tiger Queen was claiming that he was being, what, raped by the prison guards. And I don't know about you, but that's the last thing I would rape in a prison would be the Tiger Queen. But apparently he is like the victim. The Tiger Queen is the teenage boy to the prison guards, you know, 30-something-year-old school teacher. (laughs) So so President Trump, if you are listening to the Miller Frost Show, please set the Tiger Queen free. And of course, we're going to end today's show with an article from The Smoking Gun. Here's the headline. Shackled Collegian 22 asked police to pinch my nipples. After being placed in shackles due to some alleged drunken dumbassery, a floor... <laughs> yes, folks, we're in Florida, wrapping the show up in Florida. A Florida Collegian told cops that being restrained gets me off and then requested someone pinch my nipples, according to an arrest report. Cops allege that white boy Malcolm X, I know what you're probably imagining for someone who's like cuffed and asked someone to pinch their nipples, but (laughs) here we go. Cops allege that Joseph Lancaster, it was a man, look at that white boy Malcolm X. No, I know, not, well, for 22, not bad. But anyway, cops allege that Joseph Lancaster, a 22-year-old University of South Florida student, caused a disturbance early Sunday after refusing to pay an $820 bill at a St. Petersburg night spot. Damn, that boy knows how to drink. After Lancaster argued with security guards, his friend stepped in and paid the bar tap. Lancaster, stumbling and slurring his words, then began shouting, I am sorry, none of you graduated high school, but F you. And he didn't just say F. Upon being detained by police, Lancaster's belligerence did not cease. F you, I'll just say kitty cat. (laughs) Trying to keep it PG-ish here. I'll just say pussycat, but drop the cat. And bro, this is F, he shouted, cops noted. 
When a police transport van arrived, Lancaster even argued with the van driver. So he is arguing, folks, with everyone. The report states the defendant had to be placed in shackles and stated, this gets me off. (laughs) I bet that does, kid. I bet that does. He also said, pinch my nipples. Charged with disorder. Hey, you know, you know what, Joseph? You're going to have a lot of fun in prison, let me tell you. (laughs) Those boys are going to love you cuffed and wanting your nipples pinched. Charged with disorderly intoxication, a misdemeanor Lancaster was booked into the county jail where I'm sure he had a really good time that night. Because, of course, folks, it's Florida, and there's an arrest record, and it's the smoking gun. Here is his, what's kind of weak, but he's only 22. He's just getting started. Lancaster was arrested in June for driving under the influence. He was freed on a $500 bond in that pending misdemeanor case, which is scheduled for a December 11th hearing. Driving under DUI in Florida is a misdemeanor. It's like, oops, didn't mean to do that, but it's Florida. Anyway, on that note... The 22-year-old college boy that likes being cuffed and having his nipples pinched is about all I can do. I can't top that for today's show. So, ladies and gentlemen, hey, thanks for tuning into our special first-ever Wednesday edition of the Miller Frost Show. Remember, again, you can reach me on Twitter at MillerFrostOnline or email Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com. And don't worry... White Boy Malcolm, you are coming coming by us. Okay, so White Boy Malcolm X and I will be back in a couple days on Sunday to do this all over again. In the meantime, have a great rest of your week, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care.